bless uh, all of you men, even uh, young boys here with us this morning. Of course, you visitors um, with regard to spiritual fatherhood. Dad, I bless you and I honor you. Um, my dad raised me in the love of God, and he taught me in the ways of the Lord. And um, I've not departed uh, in large part because of his faithfulness, along with my mom. And so I thank you. A year ago, um, many of you know here in our church family, um, my dad was diagnosed with brain cancer, and he's been healed by the Lord. And I'm glad. Amen. And he can tell you, he can tell you his story. Um, I'll leave that to him. But um, to share with you, please ask him. It's an amazing story of God's miraculous provision. Um, and so we're, we're glad uh, that you're with us and for who you are in our lives. Um, and so uh, I would ask that uh, all men, uh, even down to boys, would stand right now. I just want to pray a blessing over you from the Lord's Word. As spiritual fathers. But now listen, O sons, my sons whom I've chosen. My son, this, thus says the Lord who made you, informed you from the womb, who will help you. Do not fear, O sons, my sons whom I've chosen. For I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. And they will spring up among the grass like poplars by streams of water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and um, bless you guys. Please stay standing and if everyone else would stand, uh, we're going to read uh, from the passage and stand in honor of God's word. But I also want, if you guys could put your hands out as a posture of receiving, I believe that the Lord's saying right now for our church that he is delivering us from strongholds and that we're returning to him as our only stronghold by his peace. And that furthermore, that the Lord is um, in that place of his presence. He is um, making us into warriors um, who will crush Satan, destroying his works. That's, what, that's God's design, and it's a lot of what we'll be talking about today, but I do believe it's what God's doing um, right now. And in that place of his presence, we're learning what it is to be prisoners of hope. That's one of our names, Prisoners of Hope, and I just declare that over us in the name of Jesus. Please stay standing, the um, Prisoner of Hope, that we're constrained by God's presence to remain in Him and bear much fruit. Amen? So let's read from the Lord's Word today's passage, John 7, 37 through 39. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. And so I want to talk, start by talking about the context in which Jesus said this. The Feast of Booths. The Feast of Booths was um, uh, a feast celebrated by the Hebrews in that day, but it was a pilgrim gathering, uh, a pilgrim festival. And what I mean by that is people gathered from all over. So some of their feasts um, were just for the immediate region, uh, 
but this was one of the few pilgrim feasts. Thousands of people would come in. It was an ingathering of God's people um, from all over. And during that time, it was around October as we know it, and so um, it was the first of two rainy seasons in Israel. And that's important um, for us as we unpack this. It was the time of former rain, as in the first rainy season. There would be a time in the late winter, early spring of the latter rain, or the second rainy season, both of which are needed for the harvest. During the seven-day festival, they would, um, they would gather and they would celebrate God's provision, and they would celebrate His presence. Um, one of the ways that they would celebrate His provision was by using water. Um, and the water, um, they, with the water, they remembered that um, the Lord provided water when they were delivered from the Egyptians. He provided it in a miracle out of the rock, right? And so one of the ways they would do this, one of the ceremonies was to pour water down the south side of the altar. And they did this surely recalling Ezekiel's prophecy in Ezekiel 47 about the Holy Spirit. And it says, it should be on our screen here, yes, Then he brought me back to the door of the house, and behold, water was flowing from under the threshold of the house toward the east, for the house faced east. And the water was flowing down from under, from the right side of the house, from the south of the altar. Another thing that they um, celebrated and remembered was God's presence. And they did this by lighting lanterns in the evening. So first water, and then light. And these lanterns they used as, as um, symbolic for God's presence as a pillar of cloud by day when he delivered them as their great deliverer from the Egyptians out of slavery toward the promised land, right? And he was a, um, a fire by night as their presence. And they wouldn't go anywhere unless his presence moved, right? And Moses prayed, we're not going anywhere without your presence, right? And so um, this is that picture. And so... It makes it even more provocative, doesn't it, that Jesus would stand up on his way to the cross at this great feast on the great day, what most theologians would say is the seventh day, the last day of feasting. There would be an eighth day in which they would, they would have a solemn uh, convocation, a holy fasting time of prayer um, after the feast. And so during these seven days, they wouldn't ask for rain, even though... In, in, it was the season of rain, but they really wouldn't want it to rain because of all the ceremony and uh, everything they were doing. Um, but anyway, so it's in this capacity that Jesus is saying, if you want living water like you did from the rock, come to me. He's essentially saying, if you want light that is the presence of God, come to me because I am the manifest presence of God. And so he's saying this not for the first time. He's saying, I'm God. <laughs> Come to me. And so I want to speak about the filling of the Holy Spirit. Joel touched on this two weeks ago for Pentecost Sunday. Um, because Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit whom he would give. And therefore talking about both the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And so the indwelling, that the Spirit would come and indwell those who believe. And Jesus is their Lord and Savior, right? Any who believe in Jesus uh, have the right to be called children of God. The Spirit would indwell us. And the Spirit, as He indwelled us, uh, it would be as a seal for redemption, right? 
a seal as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance for heaven someday. But also, he indwelled us for here now to bring heaven to earth by way of the filling of the Holy Spirit. So what is the filling of the Holy Spirit? Why is it necessary to be filled with the Holy Spirit at God's church in these last days? So Joel mentioned two weeks ago that the indwelling of the Spirit is how much of God you have, right? The Lord doesn't give himself in part to you who believe. He gives himself entirely and indwells you. But the filling of the Holy Spirit is how much of you God has. That you're, a, that you're a surrendered vessel, that one who's filled with the Holy Spirit is completely surrendered to God and filled essentially by the Holy Spirit in your place. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, right? And so that's what Paul's getting at when he says that. For those who may not know Paul, is a, I'll reference him a bunch. He's a, a New Testament um, author who wrote most of the New Testament. But And so talking about the infilling, uh, one way to put this is that it's when, by tasting and seeing that God is good, you want God more than anything, and you want His will to be done more than anything. Okay? But God has to do that in us. And Jesus speaks to a condition here. He doesn't just say, out from within you will flow rivers of living water. He says, if you are thirsty. And so let me be clear that from the New Testament accounts that the filling of the Holy Spirit is for every believer, but it is conditional. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not guaranteed, but it is a promise that we can have. And this is the condition. And it's not something by which we earn the Holy Spirit's filling. It's what we do to receive the Holy Spirit. And it's the first miracle God wrought in us, and that is to thirst. Paul says in Romans 3, no one seeks God, no one is good, no one does good. And so Jesus says, if you're not going to thirst, you're not going to come. So if you're thirsty, then you can come, right? And so thirst is a prerequisite for coming to the Lord to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I remember in 2012 when God began to do this miracle in me, <laughs> I wasn't doing much differently. It had nothing to do with what I was doing. Um, I was caught up in habitual sin patterns of behavior. I was confessing to Michael Witterman. I was doing the stuff you're supposed to do when you struggle with sin, not believing at all for the reality of the kingdom of God, of the good news of the gospel, that the Son came to set us free indeed. And so, but the Lord started doing something different in me. <laughs> you know, as part of my pattern, I would go to God. I would fail in sin. I would go to Michael. I would go to God. I would but then the Lord started doing something different in me. He started working in me this thirst where I began to have an insatiable desire for the Word of God. And um, during that time, these sin patterns began to fall off. And um, I, remember, I still remember sitting um, at a restaurant in Swickley with Julie. Roman was a couple months old. He was at our feet in his car seat. Uh, I just remember this so clearly saying, this thing is over. I'm free, you know. And she can testify to the lasting change that was done in me. And over the course of that next year, it was clear that for the first time in my life, I was being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to be clear about something else, that the filling of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time experience. Though there is a first-time experience, 
and our pastors, Jim and Joel, have talked about this many times in the past. It is not to happen one time in your life and you say, I'm good, right? Because similar to a misconception about salvation that, well, I was saved. What do I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit for? I'm going to heaven someday. I can live how I want. That's not true. Just as that's not true, so it's true that I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm good. I don't need to be filled again. Not true. See, because at best, to be filled one time with the Holy Spirit um, is to be yesterday's momentum. And at worst, is to make it an idol. In other words, so now I'm, I'm looking for this experience again and not seeking God anymore. Does that make sense? Because being filled with the Holy Spirit is seeking God for God. It's loving God for who He is. But God has to birth that in us. And so, um, a sister of ours here at Crestmont put it this way. My confessed need has exposed a deep hunger, which is only met by His presence. His presence is so good that it creates further hunger, which is then met by His presence, which creates further hunger. So the humble confession of desperate need born out of physical pain, in her case, has led to an avalanche of blessing born of an all-consuming love that is ruthlessly purifying anything in its path. It's out of my control. The pace is both glorious and frightening. And so you see what happens is we taste and see that God's good, but we keep seeking God and experiencing that love. And we learn to live a lifestyle of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when he said it, he said, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It was the, a tense we don't have in the English. It's this actively presently tense saying, be being filled. Seek God, seek God, seek God. Be filled, be filled, be filled. Ron Walborn, the president of the Alliance Theological Seminary, puts it this way he's, er, in his story. He said that decades ago, he and his wife were burnt out in ministry. And they went to a local church leader and they asked to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They knew there was more. They knew they were living on empty. They knew they had never been filled with the Spirit. By the way, if you've been filled with the Spirit, you know you've been filled with the Spirit. And I want to be clear there that I'm not talking about the ins and outs. Because it's still about your trajectory toward Christ. But you do know if you've been filled. The Lord changes you from within. Just like on the day of our salvation. And so, but anyway, he said, I went to him, we went to him, he prayed for us, and a week later, me and my wife were at each other's throats, and she said, you haven't changed at all, and he said, neither have you. <laughs> and so he knew, she knew, they had not been filled with the Holy Spirit just because they were prayed for. It wasn't like a fix-it prayer. It, it didn't happen for them yet, but they kept seeking. And so they went to a worship gathering, I think it was their district conference where he lived at that time, and... Um, they had a, ser a series of worship times together, and the first time he, he went up, he asked to be prayed for the Holy Spirit to fill him. And um, by the way, I, we know we're talking about the filling of the Holy Spirit here, not just the indwelling, because Jesus says that you'll overflow, right? You'll be filled up to overflowing. I meant to mention that earlier. So, But anyway, so he, he goes up, asks for prayer again uh, to this man, as was his, becoming his custom, <laughs> and the man um, told him, you're not ready. Doesn't that sound arrogant and rude and <laughs> judgy? Except that later Ron would 
would um, realize that what the man perceived and what he discerned was right. Um, Ron was holding on to some stuff, and the man was just like, we can do this, but you're, you're not ready. And so they actually had a similar interaction the next day, too. And so, um, but that night, or one of the nights there, thereafter, he began, uh, he, they were at the worship, one of the last worship gatherings. He was worshiping the Lord. He was crying out to the Lord, and the Lord was ministering to Ron. And he had this deep sense that the Lord was, was doing a work in him, and he was ready to surrender everything to the Lord. And he ran to the altar. By the way, it doesn't have to happen in a place like this, a, ch- a churchy place, right? God's bigger than the church. Um, and so, uh, anyway, so he runs up to the front, and he's, he's weeping, and he's crying out to God to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the same pastor went up to him, and he said, Son, you're ready to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And he said, yes, yes. And his ministry, he would say, changed forever thereafter. Um, and so... Um, he was filled that day. And I had a dream about a year ago. And in the dream, the woman said to me, you have to decide if you want the full release. You have to decide if you want the full release. I'm pretty sure it was a God dream. What happened after that was a flower just blossomed wide open. Do you guys know, we have any gardeners, green thumbs in here who know how flowers typically open, what, what the conditions have to be, what, what, had, to, what had to be um, going on in that flower, right? It was the at least light and water, right? And so remember the Feast of Booze, the light and the water that represented God, that represented God who is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, come to me for this. But we have to decide to come. We have to decide to get thirsty, I won't say sit, uh, stay thirsty, my friends. Um, but it's kind of like, you know, I need to, I'll need this. So it's kind of like this. So for some of us, it's, we have the Holy Spirit. This glass is full with water. We have all of God in us. And... We're seeking God, but it's not yet time, His timing and His sovereign grace to fill us. And so we're moving toward the water, but it hasn't happened yet. Others of us have stopped hungering and stopped seeking God because we said, I look around, I see filled people, I guess that's not how God works in my life. And I want to say to you a promise that is not just mine, it's God's. God has created you. He's chosen you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. To become like Jesus and to follow Jesus, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, for some of us, we want to control our lives, and it's rooted in fear. And fear can't coexist with faith. And What's a great irony or a deception of the enemy about control or any hang-up we have that's, that's not of God um, is that what we think we have control of is really controlling us. It's actually holding us back from our destiny, 
from our purpose, from our identity. And the Lord is pouring out His Spirit and we're not receiving. For still others of us, it's time. And we're filled to overflowing. Some of us have been filled with the Holy Spirit, but it's time to be filled again. (laughs) Because we must be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I said... Um, Well, listen to what what God says. Here's something about how God relates to us from the Old Testament. See, I've placed the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers. I've given you the promise. Now take it. Be in a posture of seeking after until you receive the filling of the Holy Spirit. Amen? The Lord hasn't given us His Spirit to lie dormant in us like the dead sea that grows bacteria. He's given us the Holy Spirit to bring living water and grow life everywhere we go. So I said that my main point for today is in order to become like Jesus and follow Him, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the design of God for His church. And um, the first purpose of spirit fullness is to become like Jesus. Uh, Paul says it this way um, in Romans 8 and Galatians 4. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. And elsewhere, my children, with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. Joel mentioned that Jesus, there's a, we, we get a picture of this in the pattern of Jesus' life. How many of you know we're called to live in the pattern of the life of Jesus Christ and how He lived on earth? He didn't just come to die and set us free that we'd be restored as sons. He also came to show us how to live. And it says that He was filled with the Holy Spirit and with power, right? And where did that... So He goes, and to identify with us in, the repentance, in repentance for sin, He is baptized by John Baptist in water, Right? And he comes up, Joel referenced this two weeks ago, and um, the Holy Spirit comes upon him. The Father speaks his approval, Joel said, his validation. Remember that? His identity as a son. And then the Spirit drove him from the time between his calling, his identity, secure in the Father's love, drove him to the wilderness to test his faith. The evil one didn't drive him. The Holy Spirit did. But then he came out full of the Holy Spirit and power and began his earthly ministry as we know it. And so we see this in him, the security that comes from the Father's love and the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's, a, it's really an enveloping um, that happens. It's the, it's, and so like um, the Holy Spirit, the name that Jesus, one of the names Jesus gives him in the Greek, uh, the Greek word for that word helper, it really means to be like carried um, and to be replaced. And so we see this in different places, um, like when Paul says that the Spirit prays and groans beyond words according to the will of God, um, you know, through us. You know, this, this, uh, this reality that He's carrying us, again, it's Him who lives through us um, when we're filled. And so, um, secondly, it's for our freedom. Paul says we're free for freedom's sake. The purpose is to be free. 
And Jesus tells us how. He says in John 8, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. That word to know in the Greek is gnosko. And that word means to know uh, by firsthand experience, to experientially know. It's the word that Mary, the virgin, used when she spoke, responded to the angel, how can this be, I do not know, a man? Right? So we're talking about the deepest intimacy that you can imagine. And so Jesus is saying, you'll know the truth. And who's the truth? The person of Jesus Christ, right? You'll know the truth. A couple verses down, he says, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And so here he's talking about, um, he's talking about knowing through divine encounter. Not just an assurance of faith or a belief about a theology or a doctrine, but encountering the living God. Paul puts it this way when he says, I pray that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know, same word, to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. This is about encountering the Lord. Martin Lloyd-Jones, 20th century theologian from Wales, says this about Romans 5, 5, uh, where the Lord says, This hope won't disappoint you because the love of God has been shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He gave us. He said this is immediate, direct encounter with the manifestation of the love of God. You may not be able to prove it, but you won't care, and your fruit will prove it down the road. Amen? Because the proof is in the fruit. The proof is in the fruit. And so, it's not in the experience itself. It's in the fruit. And so, the second purpose to being filled with the Holy Spirit is to disciple nations to the glory of God. Um, If we're not filled, we won't care. Or at best, we won't last. And so, um, to disciple nations. And we know this because Jesus says in Acts 1.8, I think a verse that our church family knows well, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me, now go and make disciples of all nations. He says, wait until you've been clothed with power from on high before you go, right? And so, um, really cool, in Zechariah, he prophesies um, that all the nations will come to the Feast of Booths. And so, the Feast of Booths in the natural happens in Jerusalem. And here, he's prophesying about what will come in the new Jerusalem, that all nations will come. It resonates with John's um, book of Revelation, right? when he says every tribe and tongue and nation. And so what am I getting at? That the design of God for the kingdoms of our Lord to become the kingdoms of His Christ is a spirit-filled, revived church advancing the kingdom by proclaiming and demonstrating it everywhere we go. And I'm not just talking about a traditional view of missions. I'm talking about the bathroom and the grocery store. I'm talking about overseas and in the foyer. Amen? That everywhere we go, because the kingdom is at hand, 
where we are. Jesus says it's inside of us. And so um, at General Council, our, uh, our Association of Churches, Christian Missionary Alliance, um, our national conference, we were there a few weeks ago. And Doug Conkle, how many of you know Doug? Um, Doug is a missionary, not many, <laughs> who was sent out uh, from this church decades ago, he and his wife. And Doug's retiring soon from the mission field. It was an honor to, to see him there. Somebody, I think it was Galfua, had asked uh, that Doug pray a blessing over our church uh, when we saw him there. And he prayed over us and our church. And as he prayed, he got a picture of rain. And typically water in a, in a vision or in a dream or in a prayer like that represents the Holy Spirit. Um, and so anyway, he says this picture of rain on Crestmont. And out of that, he prays that we would be ascending place again. Isn't that good? Because that's the purpose. That's the fuller picture. Also, um, David Hearn, the president of the Alliance in Canada, preached at that conference, and he said, Holy fire, that is the filling of the Holy Spirit, without mission leads to fanaticism. And mission without the filling of the Holy Spirit leads to humanitarianism. It's what Ron Walborn experienced when he burned out. But holy fire with mission leads to revolution. And we've seen it time and time again in church history and in world history and how the church has impacted the world for coming to Jesus. We join the Holy Spirit as co-laborers even as we're yielded, and He takes over, in a sense, us as, his new, as the Lord's new creation. He doesn't just, the Lord Jesus doesn't want to just be our Savior. He wants to be our Lord, and there, uh, in that place, is freedom. So, it, back to the passage. Um, Jesus uses the word innermost. Out from your innermost will flow rivers of living water. And the word for that in the Greek is koila, and it actually means womb. So can you see what Jesus is really getting at the essence of here? He's saying, what I want to do in and to you, I want to do through you to others. Right? And so you really get that here because it's like a birth. And so we see what he's getting at. And so the pattern of Scripture is persisting until he comes to you. Um. Uh, this is really cool. So, at the, I love this. I think you'll like it too. Um, <laughs> so, at this Feast of Booths, I mentioned the former rain. And in the former, um, and so it's, it's in this context, Jesus is speaking, and it's the time of former rain. And there is an eighth day, I mentioned, that they have this holy fast at the end of the feast. Well, it's then in the season of rain that they begin to pray for rain. So, in other words, during this Former rain, they pray for rain in the time of rain, okay? So stick with me here. They pray for rain in the time of rain. And listen to what Haggai prophesied. The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I'll give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. So here, he's you, you may know, he's talking about what the author of Hebrews says is, Haggai may not even have known it, but he's talking about this this greater glory that is the new covenant in Jesus' blood, right? There's the old covenant, the lesser glory. There was glory because Moses had to veil his face, right? He had to veil his face. And even as Haggai was, was speaking of the new temple that was being built in his day, 
it also represents this larger picture that the latter glory that's greater than the former, the former that's passing away, the latter that will never end, he's saying, will be greater. And during the former reign, they prayed for rain in the time of rain, right? And the Lord is beckoning us right now that today is the year of the Lord's favor. How do I know? The year of the Lord's favor is between, between Christ's ascension when He's glorified and begins pouring out His Spirit in the last days, the year of the Lord's favor on all flesh. Amen? And it's between that time and His second coming. This is the year of the Lord's favor. This is the time of the latter rain. And so in that eighth day, they prayed for rain in the time of rain, and it was a picture. It was a picture for us. And the Lord is beckoning us to pray for rain in the time of rain. Now is the time of rain these last days, and we need the Holy Spirit to make the kingdoms of this world the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. And He wants to do it through us. If the worship team can come forward... I want to finish by talking about our role in this. Faith in the promise. Having faith in this promise, the Father's blessing, um, whom, the Jesus, whom Jesus is pouring out on His church. Though it was not God's will, or it was, though it was God's will and timing for rain in the day of Elijah. Remember, Elijah prophesied that it would rain, but he didn't just end there. The Lord told him it would rain. But then he got into a labor position and began to pray for the rain. He co-labored with God. He joined with God to bring in the rain that would bring in the harvest. Amen? And so he gets down and he tells his servant, go and see if there's rain. And he goes and there's nothing. And he doesn't give up, but he persists. And he gets down again in the labor position and he prays. Go and see if there's rain seven times. And finally, his servant comes back and says, there's a rain cloud the size of the fist of a man. And we know the Spirit was upon Elijah because then he outruns a chariot and horse um, into his next assignment as it rained in the earth. Jesus says this, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will I give the Holy Spirit to him who asks? In that passage, he doesn't just say to persist. He says to increase your persistence. He says, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be given to you. And then he gives us a story of a man who, um, who needs bread. He goes to midnight to his friend's house and it says his friend didn't give him the bread because they were friends. He gave him the bread because of his persistence. And some translations say his audacity. And so it's this going after God, saying, I believe in your promises, and I won't let go until I get the Father's blessing. That we get this picture from Jacob, right? He wrestles the Lord until he's blessed. He didn't stop when the hip went out of socket. This is a pattern throughout Scripture. The persistent widow never gave up until she got justice. And you know what Jesus said? He said, but when I come, not if, when I come, will I find faith to receive the blessing? And so we see God's character when he puts it this way. He says, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until 
the day the Lord brings rain on the face of the earth. E.M. Bounds, regarding intercessory prayer, says it this way. This is a picture of our dynamic with the Holy Spirit when we're filled, okay? The divine spirit with the energy of his own striving is the essence of the persistence which urges our praying at the mercy seat to continue until the fire falls and the blessing descends. And we receive this favor that's not just for me, but this favor in me that's for you. This is the more complete picture. You're filled for me. I'm filled for you. This is the picture of the purposes of God both in our lives and through our lives. So I want to talk about it this way in closing. I want to make the distinction between access through the new covenant in Jesus' blood that is coming into salvation um, through the new covenant in His blood and activation of the ministry of the Holy Spirit to and through us. Access is the Holy Spirit in you. Activation is being filled with the Holy Spirit. Access is having knowledge about what you believe. Activation is encounter with the living God. Access is grace for the forgiveness of sins. Activation is grace that empowers you to live a holy and free life to the benefit of others. Access is you're going to heaven someday, and activation is heaven on earth now. Access is believing the message, and activation is becoming the message. Access is having money in your bank account, and activation is making a withdrawal. Access is I ordered the product. Activation is I'm here to pick up my order. Access is living for favor and victory, and activation is living from favor and victory. It's one of the things that Ron Walborn said in his testimony was he realized how much he'd been striving for approval from God that he already had. And it was only in a revelation of direct encounter and the filling of the Holy Spirit that he saw the reality of the truth of the gospel that set him free and that showed him he was a son who was loved and accepted. And he began to live from favor and be able to give what he had. There's access to Christ's kingdom, but activation is possessing and advancing it. And so, I leave with you guys. Some of us, as I said before, um, are living in fear. What would it be like to give up control of the thing that I thought I needed? And the Lord's saying, you have options. Hand the crutch to me and I'll make your muscles work by the engine, the power of the Holy Spirit. For some of us, he's saying, or you're hearing, I need to be filled again. And for others, you're repenting saying, I stopped seeking God because I didn't have what I saw someone else had. And others of you are hungry. And you want, whether you've been before or not, you want to be filled. You have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You want more of God. You want to go higher and deeper. And so right now, um, 
as they begin to play, I want to provide a space, an opportunity for us. I know we're a little over, and so I'm going to dismiss you guys as well. If everybody could stand up. Um, uh, if the ministry team, some folks who I ask could come forward um, and be prepared to minister. Um, and if any one of those people are you, and not just your neighbor, I would ask you to come forward as a step of faith, okay, and um, to be prayed for today. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. If you have to go, if you don't want to be prayed for today, that's fine. Uh, you're free to go. And I dismiss you in the love of the Father, and I say to you, be filled with the Holy Spirit, the love of God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.